0: All right, well, what I'd like to do this morning is we're going to open to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, we're going to read verses 27 through 42. In doing that, we're kind of picking back up in the middle of a story. We were kind of focusing on different people's encounters with Christ. We had started with Nicodemus and saw his encounter with Christ. Then we went to the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and saw her encounter with Christ. But we only got about halfway through that story, and it really does break in two rather nicely because the first part of it we see her encounter with Christ, but then after that we see how she was instrumental in these other people coming to experience an encounter with Christ as well. The story is going to kind of split at this point, and it's going to have kind of two scenes going on at the same time, kind of like we we see in a lot of our television shows and movies, where you'll have something going on over in this area and something else, and they kind of go back and forth a little bit. Well, that's what John does at this point. Because there's going to be a conversation between Jesus and His disciples that is going on as the woman's going to leave from the well and she's going to go back to her town and there's going to be a conversation she has with the townspeople and then they come out to see what she's talking about. And during that time, the disciples come back from going to get food and Christ is engaging them in a conversation about this whole situation as well. And so we're going to kind of be learning from both of those scenarios. Well as we pick up our reading in John chapter 4 beginning of verse 27 it says just then his disciples came back and they marvelled that he was talking with a woman but no one said what do you seek or why are you talking with her so the woman left her jar and went away into town and said to the people come see a man who told me all that I ever did can this be the Christ they went out of the town and were coming to him meanwhile the disciples were urging him saying Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Years ago, when I was living back in Washington State, my brother-in-law used to work in a grocery store called Safeway. There was one time where he came home from work with all of these fruit pies. Uh, You've probably seen them, those little hostess ones where they're like encased in crust, and and there's like a whole bunch of different flavors, apple and berry and chocolate and and just a whole bunch of different things. Well, uh, especially when I was younger, I loved those things. Those were awesome. When I stopped at a gas station or a grocery store and decided to get one of those, I could hardly buy one. It was always two. Anyway, my brother-in-law came home with just a boatload of those things, and it was because Safeway had a whole bunch of them get up to their pull date, and so they sold them at like incredibly cheap prices. I remember communicating to my brother-in-law, telling him, if that ever happens again, you call me, you let me know, because that is just too good of information not to share. Am I right? Well, the reason I bring that up is because that's, that's what's happening here in this passage with the woman at the well. But it's not over a fruit pie or a host of snack. It's over, it's over Christ she has just come to experience Christ as we learned in the last time he had led her through this conversation where he brought her to himself it started out over a drink of water he said if look if you knew who it was who asked you you would ask me and i would give you the living water well now all of a sudden she wanted that living water and it took her a little a few hurdles to get over the obstacles to come to faith but she did and so she puts her faith in Christ And then, you know what, this is just too good of information to keep to herself. She cannot but share this. It seems to just flow naturally from her. About that time, the disciples come back. She leaves to head back into her village uh, to tell the other people. And she goes in there and she just tells everybody. She says, there's a man out at the well that told me the events of my life that told me everything I ever did and I never met him before. Could he and she? And then she does it with a question. I think it was wise to do it with a question too, because if she had come in there just making bold statements, just uh, preaching a message to them, they probably would have rejected her, blown her off. But she asks them, "Could this be the Christ?" And the whole—it looks like the whole village or the townspeople go heading out there to see the Christ, and so they end up getting to go out and encounter Christ also, but it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for this one woman that was so excited about her encounter with Christ, and she shared it with them, and so then they went out and experienced their own. And you know, that's exactly what the whole rest of this passage is about. We see it breaking down between two kind of groups of people. One's the disciples, and the other is the woman. The woman just kind of goes out naturally and brings people to encounter Christ, And the the disciples have to be kind of nudged along a little bit in this. Now, they're the ones that are going to turn the world upside down later. But they are kind of missing the point at first. They're kind of doing like she did earlier. She was stuck on the physical about a drink of water. They get stuck on the physical about eating lunch. Uh, What's happening is Jesus is trying to instruct the disciples, and we're also seeing the woman naturally helping others to encounter Christ. If we've come to trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it should be natural with us. This should should be too good of information to keep to ourselves. This should be the the thing that we want everybody to know about what Christ has done in our life so that He can do it in their life as well so that they can encounter Him also. And you know what? It's also what's healthy for us. If all of our life is focused on what we need, on my encounter with Christ, on what I need out of this life, then I become very narcissistic. I become very self-focused and it's not a healthy thing. I've noticed through the years uh, that I've been in the ministry, a lot of times helping people, counseling people that are dealing with some, some, maybe some bouts of depression or some struggles within their own life, a lot of times if you can get them just to focus on helping somebody else rather than focusing on their own struggle all the time, it, it, it liberates them. And that's really the way God designed us to be, is not just focused, even within this pandemic. If you focus in this whole time on what you need in this pandemic, you're going to have a tough time. But if you start to think about other people and how can I reach out to other people and how can I be a blessing in very limited ways that we're given, well, then that'll liberate you in a different direction and you won't be so caught up in your own struggles as we go through this thing. But that's what we want to focus on this morning is how do we help other people encounter Christ as well? Well, there's three necessities in helping others to encounter Christ as we look through this passage. The very first one is just to be aware. That's the point he's trying to get across to his disciples. If you remember, they'd been kind of sent on a mission to go get lunch, to go get food. Because they're hungry and they're thirsty. Jesus is tired and weary and he's sitting by the well. The disciples get back, they've got the food, and the woman leaves. And the disciples, it says, that they were surprised to see Jesus talking to this woman. But notice, not surprised enough to ask a question. Because it says, nobody said, and, and that's, that's one of the things that I thought was interesting that needed a little more looking into. Why did it point out that nobody said, why are you talking with her? or Nobody asked why you're doing this. Or, because if you think about it, if you're going to record the things that nobody did, there's an unlimited amount of things that nobody did at that point. He specifically mentions that the disciples came back, they were surprised, they were curious, but not curious enough to ask a question. In other words, they just kind of looked at it and said, oh, that's kind of weird. Are you hungry? I'm hungry. (laughs) Went on to lunch. And that's what they seem to be focused on. And Christ has to actually kind of take them through a process to get them to where they're not focused on lunch anymore. Because the woman goes off, the disciples are there with the food, and in their mind, let's eat. And Jesus wants them not to miss this. Because Jesus has has taken advantage of the opportunity of being out at the well when that woman came. And he invited her to himself. And they see Jesus in this opportunity, but they're going to miss it. They're, they're too focused on lunch. But Jesus isn't going to let them miss it. They talk to him about lunch, and he says, I have I have food to eat that you don't know of. And they're like, well, what, what is he talking about? Does somebody give him a sandwich? Does, did somebody feed him? He's got food that we don't know about. What is he talking about? And then he goes on to tell the disciples, look, it's not it's not just about eating lunch and dinner. Where I really get my fuel is from doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And what was he supposed to be doing? What is he referring to? It's taking advantage of that opportunity to draw that woman to himself. That's why he's been sent here by God. He'd been sent here to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he had that meeting, that he had to be at that well. He had to be going through Samaria to meet that woman, to bring her to himself. And so he's leading the apostles saying, just trying to make them aware, saying you're so focused on lunch that you're missing out on this great thing that just happened right here. She just got eternal life. She just drank from the fountain of living water and you're missing it. Then he goes even farther. You have a saying that's four months until the harvest. In other words, it's not time to go to work yet. And Jesus says, look, I want you to recognize it's not four months till harvest. It's always harvest. There's always opportunities like this. There's always events like this that can be used to draw people to Christ, to encourage other people to encounter Christ. But part of the problem is we're missing it. Just like the disciples, so many times we get so caught up in our daily activities and the things that we have going on in our life and and the way different things are impacting us and what our schedule is. That these things are an interruption. And we see sometimes opportunities as an interruption in our life. But the thing is, for God to reach them, for God to get their attention and bring them into an encounter with Him, He's got to get your attention and my attention so that we're going to make the use of the opportunities that He has For us to draw those people to Christ. Because just like that woman at the well, God wants to use us to help other people to encounter Christ as well. You know, I remember one time I went to a Moody's pastor conference. Now, that just means it's a pastor conference that's held at Moody Bible Institute. It's not a bunch of us pastors that have problems with our personalities. I remember I came back with a t-shirt, Moody Pastor Conference. And I was teased about that a little bit. But I'd been out of that conference for a week with another friend of mine that's a pastor. And we learned a lot of great things. And at the end of that week, we got home, which was to his home, which was still seven hours from my home. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I hadn't been home all week. And I just wanted to be home. He said, well, come on in. There's a bed for you. And I said, no, you know, I'm going to head home. I just, I've just i been gone all week. And I had a great time with you at that conference. But I, I want to be at home. So I took off for home leaving about, like I said, 11 o'clock at night, midnight, which was going to put me home, 6, 7 the next morning. And I needed some gas, so I stopped at a gas station along the way, and I was pumping gas. And I noticed that there was a, a couple that was there, and they were talking to this other guy that was a customer there. So I was kind of eavesdropping a little bit while I was pumping the gas, and I realized that they were sharing their faith with him. And it became obvious that he had been going through some kind of a struggle and they were trying to encourage him and they were sharing their faith with him. But they needed to get going. And so about the time they were saying goodbye to him, I just kind of got done pumping my gas and I stepped over there and I said, I couldn't help but hear what you're talking about. And then I started talking to the guy and we talked for a while and... And I'm not saying that he came to Christ or anything. I hopefully did at some point after that. I don't know. But it was just an opportunity to try to reach into his life and try to draw him to Christ and to help him along that way. And at the same time, you know, it's not getting any earlier. (laughs) Or maybe it is getting earlier as I'm going on, and I need to get home, and and I'm tired and everything. But you know what? I I was just glad later, and I thanked God for it on the way home. I said, you know what? For a week I've been getting so much teaching, being given to me, given to me, given to me. What a perfect way to end that week than to be able to try to help somebody else. Take things that I'd been given during that week. In fact, one of them was a Bible. I'd been given a Bible as one of, just part of the gift that they give you for coming to the seminar. And so I had this brand new Bible, and I, th- I said, Here, you know, take this. And I gave them that Bible to, to go home with. And so it was just nice to be able to try to be an encouragement to somebody else after being encouraged myself for a whole week. And, and you know, we just need to be aware that those opportunities are out there. In fact, those opportunities are all around us. You know, Jesus' big ministry opportunity at the moment wasn't preaching to a huge crowd or doing the Sermon on the Mount. It was talking to one woman that most people didn't want to talk to. And He's saying, if you think the fields aren't white for the harvest, you're just looking in the wrong places. I have a friend that I think is I think he's the best person at this I've ever seen in my whole life. It just comes out of him naturally. And that's Chad. Chad is just just so comfortable with people and talking to people and sharing his faith. And and, and I, I know he probably doesn't even remember this happening. But I remember one time where he went to the hospital to see somebody. And I don't remember what all was going on or who it was to see. He went walking down the hallway and he saw somebody that looked like they needed a little help in their room as he walked by. And he stepped in there. He ended up visiting people he didn't even know in the hospital, like he was a chaplain or something like that. And just reaching out to people. And he came back and he says, you know what, I met these people. Pray for this person this way. Pray for this person this way. And it just, that's exactly it. You know, most of the time I go to the hospital to visit somebody, I'm just looking at the numbers on the doors to find the right door. And I think, how many opportunities have I passed? How many opportunities have I walked right by because I already was on a mission and I already had something in my mind that this is how the day was going to work out. I already had my schedule. But Jesus is just trying to make the disciples aware. And it doesn't mean that everybody's schedule needs to always flip your schedule over. That's not what I'm saying at all. But there are a lot of opportunities just all around us. Somebody needs a little bit of encouragement. Somebody needs maybe a little wake-up call. Somebody needs somebody that will listen to them. The opportunities are endless when you start to think about those things in ways that you can bring Christ into somebody's situation. In fact, Jesus goes on to tell him, he says, "Look, it's not you guys say four months and then the harvest. In other words, it's not time yet. He says, actually, the fields are white already for the harvest. In fact, other people have already been laboring that you don't even know about, and you're going to be able to cash in on their labors. And he makes kind of an allusion, I think it might be an allusion a little bit to Amos chapter nine and verse 13. In Amos 913 he's talking about the restoration of Israel and what it's going to be like when God finally restores Israel. And it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the trader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. You see, Jesus compares it to this day he says, where the plowman's going to overcome the reaper. In other words, they're planting and harvesting so fast that one is catching up with the other. It's kind of like I remember going down to visit my parents when they were down south And I think it was in Arizona, maybe Southern California. It's probably happening in both. But one of the things that we drove by was these lettuce fields. We have all these fields of lettuce, and they're out there harvesting the lettuce. In fact, it's an amazing operation. The lettuce doesn't even go to a warehouse. They harvest it, clean it and everything, pack it right in the back of the truck and off to the stores right from there. It's it's a fascinating thing to see. But the fields... The fields. This one's all bare because it's been picked clean. This one's all plowed up and ready to be seeded. This one's seeded. This one's being harvested. And and so it's like they're constantly harvesting lettuce. They're never not harvesting lettuce to my understanding. They're harvesting it out. They're getting the field prepped back up. They're getting the seeds planted. And this is growing while they're harvesting this. And it's just such an abundance of lettuce. I can't believe the amount of lettuce coming out of there. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. He says, you guys are saying, hey, wait for the harvest. It's like the lettuce fields. It's just always going. These opportunities are always around us. We just need to be sensitive to it. We need to be aware. But not only should we be aware, the second uh, necessity that we see within this passage is just simply share your testimony. I find it interesting that in this story we have, we have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who draws the woman to Himself. We have 12 apostles that have been following Christ, learning from Christ, seeing the amazing things that He's been doing. Uh, these are the heavily trained people, right? Right? And then we have this one woman that's a brand new believer. And you know who makes the real impact in the day? Set Christ aside, because He is the Son of God. The woman. It's not the 12 theologians. It's the woman. And what does she do when she goes to the town? She doesn't have all these big arguments and all these uh, big theological ideas and deep theological thoughts, which I'm not discounting those. Those are important. But she just simply has... He told me everything that ever I did. There's a guy out at the well that did just, just just did the most amazing thing for me. Could he be the Christ? You see, that's so much what people need. People aren't so interested in walking sermons you know, I'm in the ministry because I love to talk to people about faith, and I love to, to teach people about the Bible, and I love discussions. I don't care if they're in a big group or one-on-one. Or I love discussions about God, and I love sharing Jesus Christ with people. But you know what I find in, in the experience of our church, even within our small community, is that I don't have a ton of people come up and ask me those questions. In fact, if I stop and think about the people that have come to Christ as adults within our church, Most of them are not led to Christ by me. They're led to Christ by somebody else in our church. I don't know if it's because our pastor is intimidating in that sense. I don't know. Um, I don't know what all the reasons for it is, but I think it's just because the people that they know and they can see Christ working in their lives, they want to know what has happened in your life. I remember when I grew up and then moved away and then got off into Bible college, I had a couple different friends call me at different times saying, Hey, um, I heard that you're off at uh, some school where you're learning the Bible now or something. You're going to be like a pastor or something like that. They said, "Uh, what made the difference in your life? You see, they weren't coming to me as a pastor or as some huge authority. They were just saying, your life changed. Why? And that's, that's what they need to know. She got her whole village to go have an encounter with Jesus Christ just by telling her story. Look, this is what happened to me. This is what Jesus did for me. This is the difference that Jesus made in my life. You know, the fact of the matter is, if you go into some of those situations, go into your friends and acquaintances with the sermon, you're going to scare them off. But a lot of those same people are dying to know what's making the difference in your life. Why do you tick the way that you do? One friend of mine... I began to share with him after he asked me, what changed your life? And I began to share Christ with him. And he said, I, I, I didn't call for a sermon. I said, I'm not giving you a sermon. This is just, you want to know what happened? This is what happened. I put my faith in Jesus Christ and he changed my life. Just share your testimony. Share your story. And also, use Scripture. Because when we look a little bit farther down the passage toward the end, we see that, that uh, that's involved. Now, at this point, I would say using Scripture wasn't, Uh, It wasn't so much Bible quotes as it was Jesus' own statements, what Jesus was saying. But it says, and it acknowledges in verse 39, that many Samaritans from that town believed Him because of the woman's testimony. So because of what Christ did in her life, they believed Him. But if you skip down to verse 41, it says, And many more believed because they heard His word. Not His words, plural, His word. In other words, His message. And they said to the woman... It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. And so you have these group of people that came and they, they, some of them believed just because of her testimony. And then all of them travel out there and then they all encounter Christ themselves. And others say, you know what, we believe not because of her testimony, but because of what he said. And that's the point that I'm making right there. Everybody needs what He said. It's not just our words. It's not just the impact that He has upon us, although that will bring some people to Christ. But you know what? No matter if they come through our personal story or through quotations from Scripture, they still need to be brought to the Word of God. Even the people that believed because of her testimony came out and heard the teachings of Christ for themselves. Nobody can borrow somebody else's faith. You know, kids don't get the faith of their grandparents or their parents. They have to come to the point where they trust in the words of Christ for themselves. And we don't have Jesus walking around us every day like they did back then for a little while. What do we have? We have His recorded Word within Scripture for us. And that's why the Apostle Paul, when he was ministering to the Romans, he said, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. In Isaiah, God had promised the effectiveness of, Of his word. He said, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You see, the word of God carries an enormous amount of power. As, as we look at being an influence or helping others to encounter Christ. The Word of God is going right to the source. The Apostle Paul would tell Timothy that from childhood he had been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to tell him why those writings have such a power in our lives. He says all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, he says all Scripture is profitable because that same Scripture is breathed out by God. It's like no other word in the world. And that's why the Bible's like no other book In the world, it is actually inspired by God over and over and over all throughout the Bible, from Old Testament to New. It's thus says the Lord. It says, This is the Word of God. And that's exactly why Timothy, as the Apostle Paul would continue to write to him in the very next verses, he says, Preach the Word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. You know, the Bible talks about the Word of God being the sword of the Spirit. That tool that the Spirit uses within our hearts and lives to teach us the truth of God and to bring us into that encounter with Christ. The Word of God is a powerful instrument. In fact, if you'll remember that even back as we looked at Nicodemus and Jesus told Nicodemus that he needed to be born again, born anew from the Spirit. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 23, we get an indication of how that happens. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. It's through the Word of God and the message that that brings to us and our faith in that message, in that person of Christ, that we are born again into the family of God. Within this passage of John, in fact, if, if you were to go on from here, there is an official in Capernaum. That brings his son to be healed by Jesus. It's the very next thing that John records. You realize what we've seen in these chapters. In John chapter 3. Nicodemus. A Jewish person. From Judea. Very religious. One of God's chosen people. Jesus draws him into an encounter with himself. And then we go to the Samaritans. Despised by the Jewish people. Jesus reaches out to this woman. Draws her into a relationship with himself. And then this official from Capernaum. Jesus is going to heal His Son, drawing Him to Himself. And it's exactly the same thing that we're going to see when we get to the book of Acts and the history of the church. They went first to the Jewish people. And then they went to the Samaritans. And when they went to the Samaritans and they became believers in Christ, everybody was astounded. Can a Samaritan really be saved? Absolutely. And then God led them even to the Gentiles, which would be to us. And the, and the church was astounded again. Can they really be saved? You know what? They'd already reached that conclusion in the passage that we're dealing with here because it ends this way. We know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. That's the will of the fathers for Him to reach out and save the world. He did that through the woman at the well. He would do that through the twelve as He would get their attention focused on this, make them aware. He would end up sending them out and the, and the testimony about them was, would be that they would turn the world upside down for Christ. But you know what? God still is drawing people into encounters with His Son today. The only difference is it's no longer the woman at the well. It's no longer the twelve apostles. It's you and it's me. And we get to be a part. Very simply, we just need to be aware. We need to recognize that some of these interruptions are actually opportunities. We need to be so excited about what God's done in our life that we just naturally share it with other people. And we need to use Scripture. You know, I know we're at a time right now where, uh, you know, you're not really allowed to (laughs) invite people to church or so much at at this point, not because the government's against our faith or anything like that, but because we're all working together to try to get through this epidemic. But you know what, I remember reading a while back where they surveyed a bunch of people that didn't go to church, and I couldn't believe how high of a percentage said that they would go if their friend would only invite them. And I thought, that's it? That's all that I would actually ha- all that I would have to do to get some, some of my friends and neighbors in church is just invite them well that's what God wants us doing God wants us being instrumental in other people's lives so we can draw other people to experience the same encounter with them that we did